Good morning, and we get to keep our love on through the knowledge of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This is Get Your Love On Radio. So blessed to have you here on this beautiful Sunday morning. My name's Julie Bueller. We're broadcasting live on 100.1 FM Remnant Radio in the Coachella Valley and streaming live around the globe at RadioRemnant.org. We also are blessed to have our audience on Facebook and YouTube sharing the truth of God's Word and doing so as a dedication to the family of faith around the globe. I'd like to welcome our friends from Bangladesh. We had new listeners to this radio show from Bangladesh. And did you know that Bangladesh is actually the eighth most populated country in the world? I didn't know that until I found out that there were beautiful souls tuning into this radio show from that country. So welcome. To date, this show, which has fewer than 50 episodes thus far, has still reached more than 37 different nations, including China, Russia, Pakistan, Nigeria, Ethiopia, Brazil, Mexico, Egypt, France, Belgium, of course, the UK and the United States as well. This nation is getting blessed with the truth of the word of God in its totality. We don't cut corners on this radio show because we have a beautiful team that is dedicated to sharing God's love, every inch of it. And each each set of precious ears that are tuning in, those are seeds being planted, my friends, by God himself. And our team can't wait to hear and see the revival that will blaze through each hungry nation as those seeds take hold and that love of God and that truth springs forth. It's an incredible time to be standing in the truth. We're living in a time where lies are being force-fed en masse to people all over the globe. And yet we get to stand sure-footed in the truth of God's word. And as we do, we will be protected from the devastating results of all the lies that are going out there. We'll use our faith speak our faith, and claim all of the promises of God in our lives and for each of our loved ones. That's our right before God Almighty. And today we are, I'm so excited, we have an incredible show for you. Uh, We're going to be talking about faith today. Big faith, life-saving faith, life-altering faith. Now an apostle He's my spiritual grandfather. You've heard him on this show many times, Brother Bob. He diligently studied the word. And the Lord showed him that God is moved by two things, faith and compassion. And as I said, we'll hear more about faith from his wonderful wife, Carol. So let's take some time to learn about compassion. And by the end of this show, We will have the knowledge to move the hand of God in mighty and glorious ways throughout this globe and for all of his beautiful people. We just love the fact that what the Lord's doing. So let's talk about compassion. Now, the Hebrew meaning of compassion, in many instances, it's to love, have mercy, to show pity. This is so incredible. And in the Hebrew... It actually means, by extension, the womb, as in cherishing the fetus, a very tender love. 
So consider this. A pregnant woman doesn't necessarily think about how the womb cherishes that beautiful life in her womb. Maybe she does the right things and eats right and gets her rest. And and she is and, you know, she loves that precious little soul. But many times that doesn't necessarily happen. And regardless, there is that incredible miracle of life that springs forth because the womb cherishes that fetus, cherishes that little life. And that's compassion. That's how God cherishes each one of us, nurtures us in miraculous and wondrous ways, in ways we can't even comprehend or understand. And when we allow God to show us that same compassion, and when we allow, uh, when we allow him to show us and we learn of his ways, it will be that same thing. It will be a miraculous and tender love that flows between each one of us because we will have the compassion of God Almighty flowing through us towards one another. Isn't that beautiful? That's the Hebrew meaning of the word compassion. So let's hear what the word has to say about compassion. In Lamentations chapter 3, this is verse 21. It says, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. We get to call these things to our own minds, and that's what gives us hope. We never have to allow our hope to diminish. We can call these things to our mind, stick our nose in the word of God, and know that this is where our hope is. It says in verse 22, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. Isn't that wonderful? That tender love of God never fails. That cherishing of each precious life, no matter how small it is, even as a little whisper in a womb, God cherishes that life so much that he creates miraculous things to happen so that life can breathe and give forth. And that doesn't fail. God's compassions do not fail. It says in verse 23, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. We serve a faithful God who doesn't fail. He is only righteous and he always comes through for us. And as again, we learn more of him, we learn that. And then we get to impart that to one another. Let's go to Zechariah. Speaking of imparting it to one another, Zechariah 7 verse 9. It says, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts saying, execute true judgment and show mercy and compassions every man to his brother. So in order to execute true judgment, and that means to render a verdict in truth, we offer that tender love one to another. And that's, that's what true compassion is, is looking beyond the circumstance and seeing a soul the way God sees them. How can we do this? Well, the Lord did it for us first. In Psalm 78, verse 35, it says, And they remembered that God was their rock, and their high God, and the high God their Redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongues. Uh Uh-oh. For their heart was not right with him, speaking of God. Neither were they steadfast in his covenant. 
but he. So basically, this is speaking of the Hebrews. Basically, they did everything wrong, according to God's eyes. Everything wrong. They were doing it. Even though they knew who God was. They were still doing everything wrong. In verse 78, but he, speaking of God, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. (laughs) Another reason it's so wonderful and so important to understand the way God sees things and the way he looks at things and to ask him, well, Lord, what do you think about this? Is because he knows the limitations of being uh, in this in this flesh. God knows that limitation and he has great compassion. In fact, he has so much compassion for this the human state, for the human soul that he sent Christ out of great compassion for the human soul. That's what's illustrated in John 3:16. First God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So God recognized that there were immense limitations to this flesh. And he sent sent Jesus Christ. And then Christ was crucified and resurrected and sent the comforter so that we can walk in the fullness of the Spirit of God. So no longer... Are we a part of that flesh? We are now a part of the Spirit of God. Once we have Christ within our hope of glory. If you'd like to know more about that, please go to getyourloveon.org. We have some beautiful Bible studies that really go in depth about what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how to do that, and the beautiful gifts of the Spirit. We also have some wonderful teaching videos that are all about 15 minutes in length that will really add great knowledge to your walk before the Lord. So yes, out of great compassion for the human soul, God Almighty sent Jesus Christ so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, interestingly enough, and again, that those compassions were great love and tender mercy. Another kind of compassion is to commiserate, to have pity on, and to spare. So God shows us compassion and spares us from evil, as he did for Moses. Let's go to Exodus chapter 2, verse 6. And this is speaking of Pharaoh's daughter, who happened upon baby Moses after uh, there was a great edict of destruction that went across the the Pharaoh and wanted to kill all of the Hebrew children. And so Moses's parents put him in a basket and sent him down river. And Pharaoh's daughter picked it up. She saw this basket in verse six. And when she had opened it, she saw the child and behold, the babe wept and she had compassion on him. And said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Now, from that point, she brought him into her home, raised him as her own. And, of course, we know the story of Moses and the great deliverance that God wrought through that man. But how powerful is compassion? 
the pity shown by the hand of God not only spared Moses, this baby, in this moment, but this one act of compassion launched one of the greatest deliverances of a people in history. Decades later. So we show compassion now, and then God does the rest, and we can have faith in that. And again, in, a, in just a little bit, we will hear about great faith and how that moves the hand of God. Isn't that wonderful? This one act of compassion. Also, the Lord showed me how that compassion that she had was brought up because the babe wept. So if we are crying in our state and feel at total liberty, allow that to happen, allow those weepings, allow that full um, expression of what you have before the Lord. Get it out. And that will usher in that compassion by the hand of God. Don't feel like you got to bottle it up. Mm -mm, That's not what God wants. The babe wept and she had compassion on him and changed the course of human history. So again, let's allow ourselves to be real in whatever we're going through. And then watch how God ushers in that healing balm and God ushers in that compassion. And it might come from a total stranger. That's God's call. But again, we show that compassion now. We allow ourselves to be in that state of need and God does the rest. God also shows compassion by delivering instruction. Ooh, this is so cool. This is why here on this show, Get Your Love On, We stick to the word of God and we read the King James Version of the Bible. It's because it's the first translation that came from the ancient languages into the English language with no political or religious bias. And every other translation since is based on the King James Version. So it's it's modified after translations and and a lot of current Bibles today are multiple iterations beyond that. So we want the true instruction from God, and he delivers it out of his great compassion. So we read the King James Version of the Bible to make sure we're getting that true instruction from God Almighty. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 36, verse 15. It says, And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending, because he had compassion on his people, and on his dwelling place. God shows his compassion by sending us the truth, sparing us from lies and allowing us to stand in his incredible truth and his holy instruction. Those who keep their ears open will hear it. And of course, we are his people. And our bodies, well, that's the dwelling place when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? So again, go to getyourloveon.org. We have many resources about the importance of and how to ensure you're filled with the Holy Spirit and growing in the Holy Spirit too. It's not, it's kind of like, um, I, you know, Brother Bob used to say, your walk with the Lord is, is like an escalator. You got to keep moving up. Otherwise you go down. It's not, it's never a neutral thing. It's never just standing still. You're either moving forward or being pulled backwards. So let's make sure we're moving forward with God, always marching forward with God and doing so with with and through the Holy Spirit with his incredible instruction. 
So God shows great compassion and teaches us. That's what we see in Mark 6, verse 34. It says, And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Christ saw their needs and taught them, gave them the truth of the word, gave them the truth of God. He'll do that for us, and then we get to do it for one another. Now, the Greek meaning of that word compassion, where Christ was moved with compassion towards them, it means bowels yearning. That's our guts. It's not something that comes from the head. It just comes from our guts when we have that compassion for someone. It means to feel pity, be moved with compassion. Ooh, that's cool. There's action behind it. So there's a a place in the word where it says, it's not profitable if you just say to someone, be warmed and filled and send them on their way. No, we have to take action behind our compassion by speaking the truth in love, by giving that perfect instruction, by healing those who need it. And we'll see that in a minute too. But it means feel sympathy, inward affection, and again, that tender mercy. Isn't that wonderful? You know, there's so much bad news going across the land. What a blessing to be able to sit here on this wonderful Sunday morning and share the good news of God's compassion and his faith and how it changes lives forever. Want more proof of that? Let's go. This is Matthew 20. It's through God's compassion that we can actually even see, that we actually see That's right. Matthew 20, verse 34. It says, So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Wow. That is incredibly powerful. Packed scripture. This healing is spiritually significant as well. Before we can follow Christ in truth— We must see him spiritually. It says God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's not something you see with the naked eyes, something we see with our spiritual eyes. We have wonderful YouTube teachings on this very thing. So again, go to getyourloveon.org. You can catch all of them. It's a series, but each one stands alone too. So if you've got 30 minutes, you can watch two of them. If you've got a couple hours and you were going to binge on Netflix, go to getyourloveon.org, binge on that, on that video series. Your soul will be incredibly blessed. But again, it talks, those series, uh, that, that teaching really does a wonderful job of explaining how to become a spiritual minded person, how to leave off that natural mind and see with spiritual eyes. It's beautiful. And when we do that, wow, our lives just really, they take off into a whole new wondrous life of faith. It's so incredible. And so we get to grow in our knowledge before the Lord. So those videos are at getyourloveon.org. Check them out. But Christ had compassion and immediately their eyes were opened and they what? Followed him. Once they could properly see, they did nothing else but follow Jesus Christ in Nazareth. And once we properly see with our spiritual eyes, we will want nothing else but to follow Jesus Christ in Nazareth. It's so cool. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. Thank you for your word. It's also, this is so important, especially for those hurting right now. It is through God's great compassion that we are healed. 
physically, financially, spiritually, and emotionally. In Mark 1, let's go to verse 40. It says, And there came a leper to him, speaking of Christ, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. Isn't that incredible? Don't you love how these miracles happen immediately? When God is moved by compassion, boom, immediately the healing happens. Immediately we see what we see and follow Christ. Immediately. Now, in this day, it was actually against the law to touch a leper because leprosy was contagious. It was against the law. But Christ didn't see this leper through natural eyes. He saw this man through God's eyes and saw his faith, not his faults. And as we learn of God, our compassion for our brethren grows. We no longer look at each other through our natural eyes or our own understanding, but we look at all things, including each other, through God's eyes and through his understanding. So let's ask God for more of that. Let's ask God, Lord, show me the heart of this matter. Lord, show me the heart of that person. Lord, I don't want to look on outward appearance. Show me what you're doing in this. Lord, show me how you see these things. And then that compassion again just wells up in us for each other, for our own souls, and for those we may not even know yet. It's beautiful. That's how God works. He's so grand. He's so large. And guess what? He's always in charge. Romans 9 illustrates this beautifully. We get to have God's understanding. Romans 9 verse 14, it says, What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. God is only righteous. There is no unrighteousness with him. He's only righteous. In verse 15, it says, For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. So it is not a matter of anyone buying their way to God, forcing their way to God, working their way to God. Nope. Through faith in God, we obtain his eternal mercy and those wonderful compassions. And then again, he gives it to us so why we can give it out to one another. So let's do that. And through faith in God, we get that. So guess what? Now we get to learn about faith, big faith, life-saving faith, life-altering faith from our beloved friend and anointed apostle of God, Carol. She's lived a life of faith and by that has an excellent report with God. So who better learn from? That is it that through faith, we obtain a good report with God. So two things move the hand of God, compassion and faith. And let's now understand how to get that faith that moves the hand of God. This is a good report by faith from our wonderful friend, Carol. So good to have you all gathered in today. We're going to go directly to the 11th chapter of Hebrews, 
which is, of course, the faith chapter of the Bible. And I've titled this message, A Good Report Through Faith. Let's start in verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, notice in front of the word faith there, there's a three-letter word. It says, now. If you take the word now out of that sentence, it's just dead faith. It doesn't have an application to our lives right now. And if we're going to use faith in our life, we have to have faith in the now, not out in the future, not out in the past. Right now is when it becomes the most effective. We're going to use it today. So put that now word in, and it means instant. Right now, we're going to use our faith. Now this verse becomes alive. And look what it says. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now let's decipher this a little closer. The word substance in the Greeks means this, support. You could say faith is the support of things hoped for. Faith is a setting under of things hoped for. Or faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the essence of things hoped for. And faith is the confidence of things hoped for. That, those are all Greek meanings for the word substance. Yeah, faith is the confidence of things hoped for. That spells it out pretty clearly, doesn't it? With faith... Belief in God and all his works and all his ways, we get confidence. And that's what we're going to exerting and exhibiting before God today. So there's an expanded meaning. Now, let's look at the word evidence. The evidence of things not seen. What is that? Well, in the Greek, it means the demonstration of things not seen. The manifestation of things not seen. Faith, though it's invisible, has its own manifestation before God. Isn't that interesting? Though you can't see it, it's not tangible. It has, it's a manifestation before God that only God understands. Here's another meaning of evidence. The indication. Faith is an indication of things not seen yet. The evidence of things not seen, the unfolding of things not seen. Did you know that when we send our faith out to God, things already start to unfold on our behalf? They're starting to unfold just because we got fire in our belly today. The faith is, uh, the evidence is also called the affirmation of things not seen. Why? Because faith affirms itself before God. The aff an affirmation is strong. It's absolutely solid about what we believe. So there's an affirmation there. And then faith is the representation. Spiritually, our faith is already a representation before God of what's to come, of whatever we desire, of whatever we hope for, because it's the evidence of things not seen. It's the representation of things not seen. There's a representation before God in the heavenlies, in the invisible, but it's before the throne. Now, isn't that incredible? Mm -hmm. And then faith is the preview. We're getting a preview today of oncoming victories. You know, isn't that incredible? It just makes, see, the Greek, if you're able to uh, expound on the word meanings here, it really just opens up what this, this verse means. All right, let's go on and read. For by it, what faith? By faith, the elders obtained a good report. Mm -hmm. 
Good report from who? From God and all the unseen witnesses, the cloud of witnesses that were already there before the throne. Verse 3, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now, what does that mean? Things which do appear aren't tangible. Things which do appear, things that aren't exactly tangible in front of us. That's what that means. It doesn't appear to our, our naked eye. But nevertheless, it appears before God in the invisible. So the things he did aren't even made of the things that we see in front of us. Not, they're not, they weren't made of natural things. He just spoke and it became. And that's where we are in our faith before God. We just speak it and we just believe it. And it happens. By faith, verse 4, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Remember, they were the first two children of Adam and Eve. One was holy and righteous before God. The other one was pure evil. He was a murderer. When only four people existed on earth, one quarter, 25% of them were already murderers. When Adam and Eve transgressed, sin entered into the world. And it came thick and fast after that. But Abel, let's find out about Abel's offering here because it absolutely pleased God. God called it an excellent sacrifice. Mm -hmm. He offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. I'll let you check that out in Genesis. Yeah, Didn't he offer a lamb before God? Yeah, that was a type of Christ, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. God recognized it. He knew, God knew it was a type of Christ. The other one, Cain offered the fruits of the ground, and it just didn't impress the Lord. So that was an interesting outcome there. But verse 5, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. What does that mean? Translated, he was just taken. He had no burial. He didn't die and go into the ground. He wasn't burial. He didn't go into burial. He was just taken, just lifted up. Here's what translated means. Transferred over transported, changed sides from the earthly to the heavenly. Uh-huh. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed, Paul said, didn't he? Yeah. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, and the dead in Christ shall be raised first, and we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall meet the Lord, rise and meet the Lord in the air, ever to be with the Lord. That's our translation. We're waiting for it. If we're alive when the Lord comes, we'll be instantly translated. We won't go through a natural death or a natural burial. By the way, cremation is out. You don't want to present, be presented before God with a burnt, just a bunch of burnt ashes. Don't do that, please. Cremation is not holy. It's not of God. Everybody that was wicked in the Old Testament was burned with fire. Or not everybody, but many, many of them were burned with fire because of their wickedness. And you don't want to be presented before God just a bunch of ashes. Because God says he's going to change our vile body. And he wants it preserved in the ground, waiting for our resurrection. That's a different topic. But Enoch was translated. He changed sides. And another meaning is he was carried over and removed from this earth to a better place, to a heavenly. Mm -hmm. Isn't that something? 
and was not found. Enoch couldn't be found. He had no place to, because he was gone. Because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Yeah, it's simple. It's so simple. And I know you, you all please God here. I know it. I feel it. It's intense today. Let's go on to verse 6. This is interesting. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you're diligent about something, you're always attending to it. You work at it. You're up and going. You don't just uh, slide back and let it go. Mm -hmm. You're diligent. You're tending upon that very thing continually. Yeah, faithfulness has a lot to do with that. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That in the Greek, that means to, you diligently search out, you crave. How do you get rewarded by God? You have to crave him. Above anything else, above anything or anyone else, you search him out, you crave him, you seek him, you demand him. Mm -hmm. Isaiah said we could do it. Concerning the works of my hands, command ye me. How about that? And diligently seek also means to worship him. Jesus talked to the woman at the well and said that the true believers would worship him, what? In spirit and in truth. That's what we searched the land for until we found you. And you're willing to do it to this day. So that's what diligently seeking means. By faith Noah, we're in verse 7, by faith Noah being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. This is a godly fear, a, a perfect reverence for God. It isn't, when we, say, we use the word fear here, it's not a tormenting fear. Now there's two kinds of fear. There's natural fear, which is torment. That's not what we're talking about here. A godly fear, a clean, holy fear, a reverence, a great reverence for God. That's what he was moved with, the godly fear. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world. Now, get this. This is really something. One man in, this, in Noah's time, named Noah, condemned the whole entire world by building that ark and allowing the flood to come, and eight souls were saved as by water. God started the whole world over, on the account of one man's obedience. And because it was so incredible, Noah condemned the world. Didn't say God condemned the world, said Noah did it. Why? Because he obeyed and built that ark and got, got in on it. He got his family in on it and then said, and the Lord shut the door. And then the rains came, 40 days and 40 nights. And he flooded the entire world, wiped the whole entire population of this globe out for the benefit of eight souls. That was their, that was their water baptism, floating on that sea of wickedness. That was their water baptism. But by this righteous deed, he condemned Noah, condemned the entire world of his time. You talk about a great man of faith. And because of it, it says, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. He became the heir to that. God started all over with Noah. Mm -hmm. So let's take on his characteristics and be like him. Borrow from him. Say, Noah, I'm going to be like you. 
get to know all of these Old Testament personalities until they're absolutely incorporated inside of you. And you can manifest through, did you know that through the Holy Ghost, you can manifest their personalities? That's why we're learning about this today, so you can take on and manifest their personalities. Yeah, through the Holy Ghost, you're unlimited. You can borrow from any one of these guys. All right, let's go to Abraham. By faith, verse 8, by faith, Abraham was called to go out into a place which he should afterward receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whether he went. Did you know that that's how Bob's and my ministry started out? Absolutely nothing. Just a broken down station wagon, a few pots and pans in the back, and we went out just driving along the road, not knowing whether we went. But God had put that vision in our heart of a perfected people, a people who would, like you, sitting here, that would obey God and walk in all the knowledge of God and take on all the gifts of the Spirit and all the fruits of the Spirit and be that, be that perfect bride. We were after God's perfect bride. And we just drove down the road seeking you, not knowing whether we went, just like Abraham, not knowing whether he, he went, but intent upon it and just impelled to get up and go. He would get me up early. We'd drive 12 hours down that highway and say, get up early. We're, we're, we're going to head to this next town and just see. And we would stop at these towns along the way. And, and the Lord said, whatever town you enter, inquire in who is worthy. That's what the Lord did when he first sent out his first disciples. Go into these towns, inquire in it who is worthy. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. Enter in, preach my gospel. If, if, you're, if it be worthy, let your peace come upon it. If it be not worthy, leave and shake the very dust of your feet off against that city as a testimony against it. And that's what we did. Not knowing whether... This is how it started out, though. Very humbly. And it was just Bob and I. So I, I've lived this. See, I've taken on Abraham's faith as of a young one. I was only 25 when this was all going on. It started out when I was 25. I, I met him when I was 22. And we began our journey together across the land when I was 25. So I have believed and been like Abraham for a long, long time. So you've got you've to get in here now and borrow from their characteristics, borrow from the faith they manifested, and you will do extremely well in life. There won't be anything, nothing will be impossible to you. You'll see. Let's go to verse 9. By faith... He sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country. Yeah, it was always strange. All the, the states we were in, always strange to us. We weren't citizens. We didn't feel like we were citizens of it. Yeah, because this world is not our, not our home. wasn't our home. We were just passing through to find you, just in time to find you, and then establish you, and then leave and go find others. So we were in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, trailers in our case, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. See, he again, we weren't looking for a natural town to sort of settle down in. We were looking for that city up above which has foundations. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 4.18. While we look not at the things which are seen, visible to the naked eye, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, 
They're not going to, they're only there for a short, it's only here for a short time. It's not going to last. But the things which are not seen with our naked eye are eternal. That's what we were looking for in you. We were looking for the eternity that dwells within each of you. And we sojourned many hours, many days, many months, and many years to find you and settle you. And here you are. A part of you is right here. Some are in other places across the land. And we're so thankful. Yeah. And remember we talked about foundations? Have we, have we got there yet? Maybe not quite. Okay. Here it is in verse 10. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Well, what do we mean here about foundations? Okay, it's spiritual for one thing. And it's in the Greek, it means something put down, which, which was Christ. Christ was the chief cornerstone of the, of the building we're in today. Because our building is not natural, it's spiritual, isn't it? And Jesus, because we're fitly framed together and we grow un, unto a holy temple in the Lord. Spiritually speaking, you're the temple of God sitting here today. It's not visible to the naked eye, but it is a realization. It's there. It's something put down inside of you. Yeah, a substruction of a building. Paul said, we are God's, you are God's building. He t said that to the saints. To place in the widest application in a horizontal posture. Well, the city up above that we read about in Revelations 21 is horizontal. It tells the, even gives the measurements of it, doesn't it? When you're, when you're in a foundation, you can settle on it and you can sink down in it because it'll hold you up. It's not quicksand. You know, a good foundation lasts forever. It will hold you up and the floods won't be able to destroy it. Nothing. It's just solid. Well, that's what, that's what Abraham realized. He was looking for that eternal city that hath foundations. Paul said, I have laid the foundation. Another buildeth thereon. He said, I've laid the foundation. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone of that foundation. And another buildeth thereon. But he said, let every man take heed how he builds thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he is our foundation. And Abraham knew this by the Spirit. He knew Jesus Christ was that foundation. And he looked for it and walked in it until he died. It, it was until he was taken up. It's just amazing. So what's the foundation that God has left us with today? Well, Jesus Christ, we know, is the chief cornerstone. But he also has left us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He calls it the five-fold ministry. And this forms the foundation that grows into an instru for instruction and for equipping, for perfecting of the saints, all of that. And, well, we'll read about it here in Ephesians 2, if you will. Verse 19 of Ephesians 2. Go there, please. He says, Now, therefore, you are no more. And Paul is talking about us, the saints describing us in the spirit. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation. Look at that key word, foundation, of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth, unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom also you are builded together. We're part of it, folks. For an habitation of God, or dwelling place of God, through the Spirit. 
How does this all come? Well, it has to be through the Spirit. There's no other way. Can't be through a religion. Can't be through atheism. They all fall into the ditch. The atheists all fall into the ditch because they're blind leading the blind. Okay, but we're built on another, that wonderful foundation. So he did. He, Abraham looked for a city with hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. Isaiah referred to this way before Christ, centuries before Christ was ever born. Isaiah prophesied of this in Isaiah 28, verse 16. He says, Therefore thus saith the Lord God. Now how sure is that? When you say thus saith the Lord, you better be sure that you're saying it and not, you know, that it has substance with it and not just saying it to be saying it. The old prophets, when they opened their mouth and said thus saith the Lord, the whole universe got quiet and still waiting to see what they were going to say because it, it came to pass. Everything the true prophets spoke of came to pass. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I lay in Zion, or the high place of God, for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And he that believeth shall not make haste. So go to Proverbs 10.25 with me. Here's uh, some prophecy of the events to come. As the whirlwind passeth, so is the wicked no more. But the righteous is an everlasting foundation. Your spirit will live on forever from God. So can the tribulations of this present time affect, any, affect your spiritual walk? No, because there's a bigger picture with all of it. Mm -hmm. As the whirlwind passeth, so is the wicked no more. Mm -hmm. Why? Because he's earthly, beast-like, and temporal. But the righteous is an everlasting foundation. See, our home's up there in the city of God. Go to Zechariah 8. talks more about that foundation. Then, in Zechariah's time, they were still building the temple, the, the uh, temple of the house of the Lord. They had a natural one to go by. And God was willing in those days to put up with that. But it was, again, it was just for a time. So Zechariah 8, starting in verse 9, Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Here's, what, here's encouragement for us, even today. Let your hands be strong, you that hear in these days these words by the mouth of the prophets, which were in the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. So see, again, there's re repetition here that before any temple, spiritual or otherwise, can be built, there has to be a proper foundation, or it just doesn't last. We're doing this today. Our temple is not made with hands. It's eternal in the heavens, God says. For be verse 10, For before these days there was no hire for man, nor any hire for beast, neither was there peace to him that went out or came in because of the affliction. Well, remember, is Israel went into captivity under Nebuchadnezzar, into the land of the Chaldeans and the Babylonians. And she was there 70 years. And that's what the reference is here. Those were great days of affliction. He said, I set every man, all men, everyone against his neighbor. We're in a time like that right now. That's why we have to be so full of the Lord. Verse 11, But now I will not be unto the residue of this people as in the former days, saith the Lord of hosts. Here's what, we've, here's what you have now coming as saints of God. For the seed shall be prosperous. I'm expecting that continually for each one of us. The vine shall give her fruit, and the ground shall give her increase, and the heavens shall give their dew. 
and I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things. You can confirm this with Daniel 7, verse 18, and also verse 27 in Daniel. Mm -hmm. The people of the saints of the Most High shall possess their possessions, and they shall possess the kingdom forever and forever. Now, does that sound like it's eternal or not? Kind of sounds like it's it's going to keep going on to me. Doesn't sound like there's any, any quitting or any end to that. If you're going on with God forever and you're going to possess the kingdom forever and forever and forever, uh, eternity is a long time, folks, and you're in it. Count on that. Love you for it. Verse 13, and it shall come to pass as, as that, that as you were a curse among the heathen, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so will I save you. And you shall be a blessing. He says, fear not, but let your hands be strong. Allow it. In other words, let your hands be strong. See, we have to let it happen. doesn't fall out of the sky on its own. <laughs> all right, let's go to Luke. And Jesus reiterated all this about a proper foundation. Luke 6, and start in verse 47 with me. Don't mind me, but I just get excited about God's word. <laughs> All right, verse 47, he says, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them. We're, we're talking about hearing and doing. Hear, heareth my sayings and doeth them. I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. And of course, he's referring to himself. He's using a parable here that they could understand because he was in a mixed multitude. Yeah, believers and non-believers. So he had to use a parable, things, something that um, people could understand readily, for it was founded upon a rock. And we just talked about how we are founded on that rock, Christ Jesus. Okay, on the converse, but he that heareth and doeth not... He is like a man which without a foundation built a house upon the earth. In other words, just his own works. Against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Well, he's talking about eternal things here. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. So the ruin of that house was great. So if we're only built on temporal things, it's going to perish. That's the doom of it. That's the end result of it. It's temporal things will perish and be destroyed because they're temporal. But eternal things can never be removed, can never be destroyed. Like I said, you're never going to die. We are not built to die. We're never going to die spiritually. All right, go to, to 1 Corinthians 3, and we'll start in verse 10. And Paul says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me. Now notice the humility here. He says, I didn't do this by myself. He says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. Now remember, he was the apostle to the Gentiles. He was sent out to bring the true gospel and the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ to the Gentile world, which hitherto had not heard or known about not even Jewish law. They didn't even know the first, the Old Testament or the Jewish law. They didn't have anything. So grace of God was given unto me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation. Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. The good news. 
and another buildeth thereon. Because God does give ministry, different ministries and different gifts. Others were becoming apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers also. And there was never any what they call a lay congregation. The lay people. That was never even, you don't even find that in the New Testament. Everyone was a participant. That's where they get it. These churches get it wrong. They have the big preacher standing up there with a the big black robe, and then they have the lay people out there. That, that's not how the early church ran. Every saint was a participant. Every saint was valued. We're all valuable. We're all equal in the eyes of God. So he says, I've laid the foundation, another, another buildeth thereon. Well, he was expecting that. But he said, let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. In other words, he said, you better do it right. You leaders, if you're leading it, you better do it right. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones. Now, those first three, you can put them through the fire and they will endure. They come out even greater. They're purified. So gold, silver, and precious stones, you put them through the fire, they come out great, greater and greater. Even more beautiful than before. But wood, hay, and stubble, well, um, they get pretty well burnt up. You'd be lucky if you found a few ashes by the time they're done. The Lord is done with that. And he's talking about people who just walk in the natural is wood, hay, and stubble. If you don't have his spirit, you're just wood, hay, and stubble. But if we have his spirit and we go, we're allowing God to put us through the fiery trials to purge us, we come out as gold, silver, and precious stones in his sight. So let's allow that. Allow that work. Allow that work of God. Paul says, every man's work shall be made manifest. Yeah. When? When the day he comes, the brightness of his coming is going to show who's who and what's what. He says, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. For the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Daniel, over in, verse, over in Daniel 12, verse 10, Daniel says this, Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand but the wise shall understand. Now the word tried, let's look into the Greek meaning here. When something is tried, like a metal, it's tested and approved through testing, properly acceptable, current through after a sale. So does your faith get tried? Well, yes. Does it get a little hot at times? Hey, just stand steady, steady in, the, in the furnace of fire. You'll come out, how? As pure gold. And Peter will prove this later on for us. So you're properly acceptable then. Current, valuable in the here and now, after a sale. And approved. So that's what tried means. So Daniel said many, this is he prophesied in the last days, many will be purified, made white, and tried. Let's go to, to James here. James 1.12. He says this, Blessed is the man or woman that endureth temptation. Oh, we have to endure a little trial, do we? Do we now? That's fine. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, oh, here comes that word again. When he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Can we endure tryings and trials? Can we endure it? 
Uh, go to Revelations chapter 3 now and go down to verse 18. Fire in the Greek means specifically lightning or very fiery. So we're in Revelations now, Revelations 3, 18. I counsel thee, this is the Lord talking to a church. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. In other words, uh-huh, you're going, you're, everyone's faith is tried. If it isn't, it's not made perfect yet. It's too new. It, it's, uh, it's unproven faith. The Lord loves to see us proven. He wants us proven or coming, uh, acceptable after a sale, going through the fire. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Now this church was lacking. They were actually backslidden. This is a Laodicean church and they were backslidden. They hadn't lived up to the elements of their faith like they should have and God was, the Lord was chastising them. But he told them the remedy. He said, Buy of me gold tried in the fire, and then come out proven, and you'll, you'll be spiritually rich. So that's what he wanted the, the Laodiceans to do. We also, so we need to have some endurance and some tryings in our life. Don't be afraid of them when they come. Allow God those trials to whatever degree. Mm -hmm. Some are more, tried more, some are less, but it's all valuable to God. Now we're going to deal with the word, re and we have to endure reproaches as well. What does the word reproach mean? Let's look at it in Hebrews 13, 12 to 16. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Now, you know, in the Old Testament, the refuse was done outside the gate. And that's what this is talking about here. Jesus was accounted for, he was absolute refuse to the whole Jewish system in that day. They did not receive him. They did not accept him. They hated him, and they murdered him, so to speak. That's what this is talking about here. He suffered without the gate. He was not accepted, according to the Jewish ways of doing things, their laws and of sacrifice. And everything. But he was cer certainly a pure sacrifice, wasn't he? But he was as refuse. Verse 13, Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, the true spirit of the Lord is not accepted in the old Jewish system and their sacrificial laws and their ways of doing it. We're just not. But so because of that, it says we are bearing his reproach. Yes, we are. We're bearing his reproach today, even among the ungodly. It's no fun to go through reproach. However, we're not to fear it because it does build endurance in us too. Remember we were talking about endurance? Endure, by the way, the word endured, and we're just going to skip down to Hebrews 11, verse 27. Here's, it's talking about Moses. Here's the kind of faith he had. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, to endure in the Greek means to bear or carry in a wide application. More on endurance here. Hebrews 6, verse 13. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. In verse 14, he says, saying, Surely, he's talking to Abraham, Surely, blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. So, and so, 
after he had patiently endured, Abraham had, Abraham had to very patiently endured, he obtained the promise. He waited 25 years on a son. Yeah, and he was as good as dead when the son was born because he was 100 years old when uh, Isaac was born. 100. Yeah, he could barely stand up. Yet a son was born to him. See how God can do the impossible? But because of Abraham's endurance, he obtained the promise. Mm -hmm. There's things I've been waiting for for 25 years. I've caught up. I, I told, reminded the Lord the other day, I've caught up with Abraham. Now you better get at that little chore because I've been waiting 25 years for some things. Are you willing to wait? To, any of you out there waiting to wait? Some of you probably have. I just haven't heard your story. So if you think you've got to endure like a few months or a few weeks, you haven't endured anything yet. Just put it into perspective here. I think you could maybe go there. Maybe you won't have to. But uh, does it sound like a little patience as it has to come in here? I think so. So the word endured means this in, in the Greek, to undergo or bear trials. Are you willing? Are you? If you have the Spirit of God in you, you will be willing to do this for him and to grow in the Spirit and become a true son or daughter of God. Uh, endured also means to have fortitude. You build yourself up and you, you bear through and you're going to go through it regardless. Whatever, whatever test or whatever path the Lord has for you, that's endurance. It also means to preserve yourself in, in, in it and to stay under, to stay under subjection to the Spirit at all times. Isn't that wonderful? Not asserting your own self-will. Be willing to endure and bear and be under the Lord and under his leadership, and under his elders as they instruct you, righteously so. If you're new to the faith, this is, this is very becoming, if you're willing to do this. Many like to come for the fishes and the loaves. They just like to hear a good word of faith, and, oh, whoop-de-doo, I'm going to go. And then they don't endure, and you, know, you don't see them a month later. Well, that's not what the Lord, that's not what the Lord wants here. He wants people who can endure and be soldiers for him. He told, Paul told Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier. Then you've got some quality. Then you've got some depth to your faith. You're not a novice anymore. So let's move on. Mm -hmm. Let's allow ourselves to be totally perfected. So, and patience does come in with all of this. Go to Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, what's that cloud of witnesses? All the, all the saints that have gone on before are part of that new Jerusalem God described in Revelations, and they are known as the cloud of witnesses. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all those guys, all those people of the Old Testament that have gone up to be with the Lord and are perfected, they're watching us. They're surrounding us even now as we're sitting here. So we're encompassed about with them in the invisible. If your eyes were open spiritually, you'd see them now because they're here. Love it. Let us, so because of this, he says, let, let us lay aside every weight. If something's a weight in your spiritual life, cast it aside. Get rid of it. Runners can't wear heavy shoes. They won't win the race. Or maybe their shorts are too heavy. They've got too much stuff in their pockets. They've got to unload. If they're going to cross that finish line and be number one, they've got to run with real light shorts, light shoes, everything lightened. Lighten the ship. And then they'll win the race. That's what he's talking about here. Lay aside every weight. And you let the Lord show you if there's, any, if there's a weight in your life that's unnecessary. 
we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so, we lay that too, he says, lay the sin, the sin which doth so easily beset us. Yeah, got to lay that aside too. That comes through prayer, through determination, through more knowledge of the word, knowing how to walk before the Lord. It'll all come in time. For those of you who are relatively new, this will all come as you're diligent. And he says, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Well, what's patience? It's, in the Greek, it's being cheerful or hopeful the whole while. Oh, it's having endurance and it's having constancy, sticking with it, never never, uh, vacillating or giving up. And it means continuing to continue, waiting. Did you know that most things that are accomplished for God, 90% of it is waiting and the 10% is action, the action that God produces from your waiting? That's, that's, that's the ministry in a nutshell right there. Most of the time, if you were with me, it would be very boring because all I do is wait. I'm not very interesting in the back room, but you, it would be very interesting with what goes on between me and God, if you could get in on it. See, that's the interesting part. And then God does all the rest. He does the performance, and that's the 10%. So learn that. If you were waiting on God, you're a smart puppy. All right, let's go on. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So he's both the author of it, and he's the finisher of it. we got that confidence that he'll do it. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. What do you think that joy was that was set before him, that he'd be willing to go and hang on that cross and endure absolute agony? What could, what could possibly be that joy? Well, I guess what? It was all of you that he saw in the Spirit thousands of years before. That's what gave him the joy to endure that cross. He had a vision of you way before the foundation of the world he knew you. You talk about enablement from God, the Father there. That was, that's what made caused him. He was so strengthened by it, seeing you way ahead of time, that he was able to endure that cross, shed his blood, despising the shame of it. And he could, he would rightfully very righteously despise the shame because he was a great dignity before God. The greatest dignity that the universe has ever known hung on that cross. No wonder he could righteously despise the shame of it. You bet. He did it with dignity. And here's the result. He was set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Isn't that wonderful? For consider him, that's what we're doing now, we're considering the Lord. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Some of you get strong contradiction. Well, he endured it. So can you. You've got devils crying out against you, speaking their own, say, just hold your peace, devil, while I'm here. When I leave, you can yell all you want. But while I'm here, you, you hold your peace. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you. Try that and see what happens. You got the authority. You don't have to have him crying out against you. Jesus said, hold your peace. See, there's real encouragement here for us as saints. He said, you have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Any of you been hit and had a black eye and bled for it? And he says here, and you have forgotten the exhortation, which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son, 
despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Things just all of a sudden come up and upset you a little bit. Just get your balance. Lord, give me my balance. Give me my footing. Don't let me be upset by any, any occurrence that I may not even understand fully yet. So, Lord, give me understanding in all things and just set me, set my feet upon my goings properly. But chastening, and he talks here about don't despise the, the chastening of the Lord. That means, uh, literally, in the Greek, it means to be whipped. Now, there's, you know, there's more than one way to be whipped. The Lord has to whoop you a little bit. He's just, he usually does it very, um, through the spirit, through instruction, through sometimes through sharp rebuke, flog. It can be either physically or it can be through, again, the Lord's sharp rebuke. No, don't do that. The Lord will, he'll guide you. He'll kind of whip you into shape. And he'll do it through the spirit so that you can comprehend and you can adjust yourself. Well, that's all part of chastening. To strike, he'll strike you at times like, ooh, something will hit you like a blow. Well, you know, David in the psalm said, I'm consumed by the blow of thine hand. David had severe chastening in his life. Well, you know, we're, we're not uh, tissue paper. We can endure. We can handle it. Oh, yeah, because what it brings afterwards is just colossal. It's just wonderful. It's also, uh, chastening is also a discipline, a, measure, a way of God disciplining us. He can do that in many ways through giving us his word, sharp rebuke, maybe through an elder, maybe directly through his word, um, you know, just kind of batting us till we get into place. Correction. Correction is another word. He will often correct us. So don't be surprised. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So that's part and parcel of being a saint in the Lord, one who endures, a grown-up. It quickly makes you into a real grown-up, strong soldier, strong warrior. Don't we want to be warriors? We don't want to be wimps. Yeah, you got to be strong and endure. So that's what God is bringing us into, full-grown men and women in Christ with some muscle, some spiritual muscle, not all wimped out in front of the devil. We have all, all of this, this availability in the spirit before the Lord. Uh, we're going to go a little bit into Romans 4, if you'll turn there, and we're going to talk about the righteousness of faith. That's another characteristic of what real faith is. It's With it, it brings righteousness. So Romans 4, and we're going to go to verse 13. For the promise that he should be heir of the world, now he's speaking of Abraham, that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. It didn't come through the law to Abraham because the law wasn't even in existence yet. God just spoke directly to Abraham as a friend and dealt with him as a servant and as a friend. It was just beautiful. So it didn't come, he says, let me read the verse again. For the promise that he, Abraham, should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. That's the only way it came. For if they which are of the law be heirs, now we're talking Old Testament people under the Old Testament law, under Moses, said if they were, were heirs, faith is made void. Isn't that interesting? And the promise made of none effect. In other words, if they obtained righteousness just through obeying the law alone, he said, then faith is, faith is just made void. It, all came, it would all come through works, and God just wasn't impressed. So the law couldn't, couldn't uh, 
bring that effect. The promise was made of none effect then. Because the law, and explains why here, because the law worketh wrath. Remember when Moses brought the Ten Commandments down off the mount? As he came down, guess what he saw in front of him? That little camp that had just come out of Egypt. They were sitting down to eat and drink and rose up to play and said, let us make us a calf and go back to Egypt. As for this Moses, we know not what has become of him. He'd only been gone 40 days and they were already, oh, they completely dismissed him out of their minds. They were so unwieldy, so unsettled. God called them children of no faith. And it made Moses so angry. He just threw those commandments down the first time. He had that, and he had to go back up. He threw those commandments down. And he just he got some men to destroy those people uh, that had made this big havoc, this big mess in camp. They had taken and melted gold down and made a, a calf. And having this celebration and everything was awful. It was just wretched. Do you know how many people died that day? About 3,000 of them died under Mount Sinai. That's the law. When the Pentecostal experience came in the day of Pentecost in the upper room and Peter preached that gospel and they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? 3,000 people were baptized that day. Which, you want to be under the Old Testament, you want to be under the New. One was under the law, one was under grace. Where do you want to be? Under the law or under grace? Under the law was death. Because if you disobeyed those Ten Commandments, you were stoned. You died under two or three witnesses. But under grace, 3,000 people were baptized that day. Grace, I think, is preferred. So that's what, that's what Paul is saying here. Because the law worketh wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace... To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law. If they believed in Christ, they could be accepted. But to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Jesus loved Abraham so much, he said, before Abraham was, I am. And he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it and was glad. And they, when he said that to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they hated him for it. said, you're not even 50 years old. Have you seen Abraham? He said, before Abraham was, I am. And then they took up stones to stone him. So it was really, you know, they couldn't receive because it wasn't, a f they didn't have that spirit of faith. Their eyes and, and everything were blinded and closed. Yet Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. But as, to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. That's you and me. Some of us have taken advantage of that power and decided to possess it. That's verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed. This is speaking of Abraham. I'm descri we're describing the faith of Abraham. It's very rich and particular, and I want you to get it. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. That's what faith does, folks. Maybe it isn't visible in front of you yet. You know, it's as if it wasn't. It isn't. But you call it as if it was. Calleth those things which be not, they're not here yet, as though they were already here. That's faith. And that's the kind of faith Abraham had. He waited 25 years for that son to be born, and he was 100 years old when he was born and Sarah was about 90. She was past the age for having children. They believed God. Who, let me describe it here in verse 18. Who against hope, 
believed in hope. It was against hope to have. I mean, she was past the age. He was old. And there wasn't much going on. Let's put it that way. But against hope, they believed in hope. He believed in just hope. He just believed in hope. That he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. He believed those promises of God. God said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And look at this. Here's another description of him in verse 19. And being not weak in faith, he wasn't weak in faith. He considered now not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't consider that. He didn't look at it that way. He just said, well, God said it, and I believe it, and it's going to happen. Pure faith. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Now, the word staggers means he, he didn't withdraw from it. He didn't hesitate over it. He didn't doubt God. All of this is the meaning of staggered not. He didn't doubt God. He didn't waver in his faith, and he didn't avoid the promise of God by any particular reason of his own. That's all the description of staggered not. He didn't stagger. He didn't bend, he didn't bow, and he didn't burn. That would be more preferable to Daniel and his bunch. They didn't bend, they didn't bow, and they didn't burn. Mm -hmm. There's a song that goes like that. It's cool. He staggered not. He didn't withdraw from, he didn't hesitate, he didn't doubt it, he didn't waver from it, and he didn't avoid anything for any particular excuse or reason. Just believe God. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. What's unbelief? Faithlessness, disbelief, lack of Christian faith, unfaithfulness. He did not waver, but was strong in faith. That means in the Greek, empowered and increased in strength. Every time we believe God, we're increased in strength, folks. Strong in faith, giving glory to God. What does that mean in the Greek? Giving dignity, honor, praise, and worship to God. And glory, giving glory to God. Strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Now, Abraham was fully persuaded. What does that mean in the Greek? It means he, he realized that God could ca fully carry this all out. He was completely assured and convinced of it. He knew that God would entirely accomplish it. He most surely believed. He fully knew, and he knew God would make full proof of what he had be was believing for. He was wearing his faith as clothing or, a cons or constant accomplishment. Faith is like a clothing. You wear it. Mm -hmm. Isn't that something? Yeah, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. In the Greek, the word able means he was powerful also to perform. He was capable. Think God's capable of performing anything we ask? Of course he is. He knew that God would it would it would be possible with God. Jesus even said, with God all things are possible. That's part of the word able. And then be of power is another phrase in the Greek. So God is of power to make these things possible. Perform, able also to perform. In the Greek, to make or do in a very wide application, to execute, to accomplish deeds. Exact. 
God is exact. And All right, so what's the result of all of this great faith he had in verse 22? And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. So is it to each of us. And the word imputed means estimated by God. God concludes it that you're, all, that you're righteous sitting here today. God reckons it. He reckons you for as being righteous. Something said, including the thought. God's speaking this of all of you today. You're righteous, you're righteous. And all the angels are just echoing it. All that cloud of unseen witnesses are jumping up and down for joy because they're rejoicing at your righteousness today and mine. That's the, what's imputed to us. And it causes excitement in glory above. Yeah, it causes great excitement. All right, verse 24. But for, uh, so, uh, verse 23. But it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed, estimated, concluded, reckoned, something said about us. And to us also to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. And we do. We believe it. Who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Do you know what offenses are? A side slip, a lapse or deviation, transgression, unintentional error or willful transgression. Could be either one. Fault, sin, or trespass. So all of our, whatever offense we may have committed in days past, it's all gone. It's all buried. Jesus, uh, Lord, through water baptism, he's removed it as far as from the east is from the west. Mm -hmm. Never to be remembered. And So why should you ever bring it up? Don't. Unless you need some specific thing for, as an object lesson to someone else when you're teaching them. You can give it in mention, and God will understand that. But don't be harping on it and dwelling on it. Oh, I was just such a bad person in the past. God doesn't remember that. Why would you? So please don't, don't ever do that. One more verse here. Who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Here's what we get. We're ju Did you know you're justified? Acquittal for Christ's sake. To render, to show or regard as just or innocent. Always believe that about yourself. I'm just and I'm innocent. I have no record except the one I have daily in the Lord, which is beautiful and righteous. You're free. That's another, free is another word for justification. You can say, I'm free, devil. Get lost. Flush him down the toilet if you have to. Mm -hmm. Jesus put it this way, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense unto me. That's what he, he did it. And justification means you're righteous. Always know that. If the accuser comes and, you know, speaks or whispers in against you or talks against you, say, I'm just, I'm righteous. God has acquitted me. I have Christ's justification. And you can just get into Romans here and quote this verse back. Who was he was delivered for my past offenses and raised again for my justification. <laughs> the Lord bless you greatly. It was a joy to, to encourage your faith today and bring this to you. Lord bless your days and your week, your months and your years. We are not merely broken vessels. 
We are not merely flesh and bones My body is a living temple I'm here to make his presence known And I was created for service It formed and fitted for a cause I am spirit, I am testimony Not found in shackled by your laws We are a place of worship We are a place for you We are a place of worship. We are your love light coming true. In spirit, I have Jerusalem. Inside of me is Israel. My synagogue, she is precious. Long after holy cities fell. And I have a sacred place for you, Lord. Upon the tables of my heart Well, it's hidden deep within my bosom Where it will never touch the dark We are a place of worship We are a place for you We are a place of worship We are your love light coming true This is Get Your Love on Radio, and that's right. That song is called We Are a Place for You by Gabriel Beeler, and we are a place for God Almighty to be and to enjoy walking in the Spirit of God when we are baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. This show is dedicated to the family of faith around the globe, and what a precious message to be able to deliver a good report through faith. 
And we were speaking earlier in the show about how the two things that move the hand of God, faith and compassion. And so we just heard about how to really get that faith and to take on the personalities of those that are in the word, learn of them and take it on. You can go to getyourloveon.org to have more Bible studies, more teaching videos, and and just build and expand your faith every single day because that's what the Lord wants for each one of us. And I love the fact that we get to learn from those pioneers who dug out this knowledge through tireless love and true compassion for the human soul because there's nothing more important than giving someone truth and especially the truth of God's word in its entirety there's nothing more important than that so we're talking about faith and compassion and we're talking about how to move the hand of God now if you're watching right now on Facebook I'm going to encourage you to go to radioremnant.org this show streams live and we have a very special message from our wonderful brother Bob he's my spiritual grandfather a true apostle who dug this out. He he read the scriptures and the Lord showed him faith and compassion are the keys, boom, to moving God's hand, to seeing these immediate healings, immediate miracles, immediately people receiving sight, and immediately lepers being cleansed. That was through faith and compassion. So let's hear more about this. And again, if you're watching on Facebook, now's your chance. Create a new tab in your browser. Go to radioremnant.org. You won't want to miss this message from Brother Bob. This is called Rise Up and Walk, and it showcases the incredible miracles wrought by faith and compassion. This is Rise Up and Walk. Hello, folks. Greetings again. Lord bless you much today. I've got a good message for you, a message of faith. Come with me to Acts 3, the book of Acts, the third chapter. You know, the book of Acts does not have an amen after it, which means so be it. That means God is still doing the Acts today. The Lord is still healing and saving and baptizing people and giving the Holy Spirit, giving the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit, I'll be ministering on the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit in some of my later telecasts, so sort of watch for them and get an idea of what you can do in the Lord and through the Lord. Now, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms, or was begging. And Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John and said, Look on us. Look upon us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them, materially. But listen to this carefully now. Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now this man had never walked, and he was above 30 years old. He was a condemned beggar, condemned to beg the rest of his life. 
But listen to what Peter had to say. He said, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, it's free. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Now, folks, today, silver and gold have I none either. But such as I have, I give unto you Jesus Christ. And it is free. Rise up and start walking in newness of life from this moment on. You're able. Come on, rise up and start walking. I'm talking about walking spiritually as well as in the natural. It is free. You don't have to pay anybody for anything. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Why? Because God was there. God is here today to heal you, to give you strength, both spiritually, physically, and financially. All you have to do is believe it. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, this man hadn't walked in his life. Yet, it said he walked, he leaped, and he did the third thing. He began to praise God. If God did a miracle for you, would you be too ashamed to praise him? Would you be too ashamed to ask him to heal you in a loud voice? Well, if you are, that's why you're not healed. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. You know, these miracles are still taking place today in many parts of the country, and I get letters every day about a healing or a miracle that has taken place. Mm -hmm. Eskimos wrote to me from away up north, I mean away up north, and told me that they were healed and filled with the Holy Spirit where they were. Mm -hmm. I've had people all over the country write to me and tell me they've been healed of cancer, many different things now have the letters here in my office. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk? He said, The God of Isaac... Abraham and Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom he delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Now, Peter was talking to some of the people here that had helped crucify Jesus. But he said, You denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. I'm a witness today that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the healer of mind, body, soul, and spirit. Mm -hmm. And his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom you see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. People, if you will believe through faith on Jesus Christ, he will give you a perfect soundness. He will make you perfect before Him. 
And now, brethren, I want that through ignorance you did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore, and be converted. You see, all the true prophets and apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, even then and now, will tell you many times over and over, as I tell you, repent and be converted. That is the message through the ages, is to repent and be converted. This hemisphere and the people on this hemisphere need to repent and be converted. That's all that's the matter with the world today. You've forgotten God. I said, you have forgotten God. I'll say it again. You have forgotten God. You must repent and be converted that your sins might be blotted out. Peter said it here in the 19th verse, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I have never seen or felt anything any more refreshing than to be baptized in water. I get refreshed every time I baptize people. That water is so refreshing. And the thought and the power and the might and the glory behind it is a great refreshener. Mm -hmm. You ought to try it sometime. It really works. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. God will still send the Spirit of Jesus Christ unto you today. It is for you today. It is for you now. Right at this moment. It says, Whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. God is still talking to you through his holy prophets today. Mm -hmm. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall you hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. God is talking to you through his prophets today, folks. He is telling you that the good things are still here and are still happening. All you have to do is believe it, like this impotent man did with Peter. And it doesn't cost you a dime. It's free. All you have to do is exercise your faith. Let your faith go to God. Some of you say, well, how do I let my faith go to God? I think I'll take the time to teach you. Just imagine a gigantic window in the heavens opened and God himself looking down upon you and his hand coming down to touch you. Well, if you can do that, you just let your faith go to God. You just say, Lord, here am I. You heal me. Lord, here am I. You save me. Lord, here am I. You bless me. Mm -hmm. Lord, here am I. Heal me. Save my soul and convert my soul. I'm ready. I give myself unto you. And believe you me, that window will become a reality. That's how you let your faith go to God. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. The fact of the matter is it's so simple that most people can't believe it because it is so simple. 
but believe it. It is that simple, folks. Just let your faith go to God. Just start talking to him. Or like the impotent man, start leaping and shouting for joy. Won't hurt you. Mm-hmm. You see all kinds of idiots and spirits leaping and shouting. And they call it rock and roll, and nobody condemns them. So why shouldn't you leap and shout for joy before God? It's your privilege. You have the same right as anybody else. Mm-hmm. You see people gyrating and squirming and doing all kinds of funny things to silly music. So why shouldn't you be able to do some oddball things before your God? Mm-hmm. Kind of talking to you today, putting in simple terms. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know a lot of you preachers don't believe in being a little bit, uh, well, overboard, they call it. But if you hadn't walked for 30 years and been a bum all your life or a tramp or, or had to beg, and all at once you were a complete whole person, well, I, I did some shouting and leaping when God first healed me. He healed, healed me of cancer of both lungs and the stomach. Mm-hmm. And I did some shouting and leaping. <laughs> and I still do some shouting and leaping even at the thought of it at times, especially when I'm alone with the Lord. All right. He went on to say that through the name of Jesus Christ, this man became whole. He said, Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of earth be blessed. He says, Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you. Now Peter says, God raised up his son Jesus, and sent him to bless you. He's talking to you today, folks. He sent Jesus to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Today is the day that God is calling his people together one more time. Listen to this. And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. See, the religious people just can't comprehend the Word of God. So if all you've got out there is a religion, forget it. It won't take you anywhere. It won't get you anywhere, and it will keep you from God. Now, I have nothing against religion. It's a form of worship. But you need salvation. Today is the day of salvation, not the day of religions. Come on, people. I'm trying to tell you the truth. Today is not the day of religions. It's the day of salvation. Get salvation in your soul. And then religion will take care of itself. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit men of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. 5,000 men believed that day. And it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers and elders and scribes, and Ananias, Annas the high priest, and Cephas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. See, they were all relation. In other words, they had a monopoly on the, on the religion in that place. It's kind of like that today in your churches out there in the world. Most of the people that run them are all relatives, all related. 
That way they can run it as they please, like a family affair, like an individual affair. Tell me the truth. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? By what power or what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if this we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Well, let me make another proclamation to you. Be it known to all of you out there in TV land that this man was once dying of cancer of both lungs and the stomach. I was a terminal cancer patient, and through the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he saved my soul, healed my body, and put me into his ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And there's been millions of people that have witnessed the power of God through my ministry in the last 30 years. Peter went on to say, This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, folks, if you're trying to be saved by some religion or by some, something else out there, don't just forget it. You can't be, because there's no name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Even the name of Jehovah will not save you, because you can't come unto Jehovah except through Jesus Christ his Son. No man cometh unto the Father except through Jesus Christ. That's a scripture, that's Bible. No man cometh unto the Father, Jesus said, except through me. Speaking of himself. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Mm -hmm. See, Peter and John were ignorant and unlearned men. They were uneducated. Yet God saw fit to give Peter the keys to heaven and hell and to make John one of the greatest apostles, prophets, evangelists, teacher that ever walked on this earth, and give him such a love for the human race that appeared to him in person in Revelations on the pile of Patmos. Yet they were ignorant and unlearned men. So it's not the amount of education anybody has. It's whom God chooses and that are willing to sacrifice their life and lay their life down for him that he'll send into the ministry. Mm -hmm. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Mm -hmm. They could say nothing about the healing, but when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? See, these were religious proselytes. What do we do with these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifested to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. See, they're, they're writing their own epitaph here. 
but that is spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. You see, they saw that there was a good work done through the name of Jesus. But because they didn't believe it, and because they didn't want to understand it, and because they couldn't do it, they didn't want anybody else to. And that's kind of the way it is with the religious proselytes today. <clears throat> They're all looking for their own gain from their own quarter as long as nobody steps on their toes or crosses their ideas. Fine. But somebody comes along and gets something done and, and heals one of their uh, congregation or converts one of their congregation, then they rise up and say, let's get that man out of town. Let's tell some dirty stories on him or some bad stories or tell a lie on him so that everybody will despise him. It's still the same today. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge you. <laughs> For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Folks, I can't tell you any more or any less than what I've seen and heard, and what I know to be the truth of God. And I'm not going to try to tell you anything that I can't prove with Scripture or with witnesses. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to tell you like it is. You can believe it or you can disbelieve it. But I'm like Peter and John. I'm here and I'm telling it. And I'm going to stay here and I'm going to keep on telling it as long as God wants me to because I obey God, not men. That's why I quit the denominations. They become abominations. They wouldn't let me preach the word like God wanted me to preach. They wanted me to build a big organization or a, or a big uh, uh, incorporations and, and uh, well, sort of pet you in your sin. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to keep on telling you you've got to repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit or you're all going to hell. There's no place in God's realm for you without doing going coming God's way. And it's just that way. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, folks. You've got to do it like God said to do it. Or you're not going to go anywhere except down. <laughs> so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. I think you preachers ought to start praying through and getting fasted and prayed up so that you can do miracles and so people will start glorifying God and start doing something miraculous for God once again. I remember some of you older evangelists that are now sat laying on your belly talking to some dummy that used to cast out devils and heal the sick. Now you don't even talk about healing or praying for the sick. I think you ought to get back to the old landmarks, Mr. Television Preachers. Mm -hmm. I think you ought to get rid of your foolishness and get you an old chair and an old tent again and go out and start praying for the sick and preaching the gospel like you used to. And Mr. Television Preachers, you know who I'm talking about, too. Because <laughs> I've prophesied to you, some of you, 17 years ago, told you to get back to the old landmarks and you didn't do it. Now you're all in a deep crisis financially. Well, the reason you are, you're not serving God anymore. You're serving your belly and the belly of those that are over you now. Your bureaucracy has eaten you up. Well, folks, I'm sorry I had to say this today over television, but somebody's got to tell you. And I'm just simple enough that, so what? I told you. 
For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was shown. A while ago I said above 30. Well, he is above 30. He's above 40. Been 40 years old. Now what if you'd had to sit on your crooked legs and your bottom, callous bottom, for 40 years and never walk, and a man comes along and said, uh, I've got something I'm going to give you. Rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus, I give you the name of Jesus to walk on. Come on. And you got up and walked. Wouldn't you be overjoyed? Would you let anybody, such as the church leaders, try to talk you out of your blessing? Well, many of you have, so don't let it happen to you anymore. Believe God for yourself, folks. Let your faith go and believe God for yourself, like I said earlier. And being let go, they went their way, their own company, and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Mm -hmm. Who by the mouth of thy son David hath said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? Well, why do you heathen rage and imagine vain things out there? you got the same privilege that we've got to obey God and to get right with Him and to repent and to receive His Spirit. Why imagine vain things? Why knock it until you've tried it? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. But it didn't do him any good. He's still here and he's still saving and he's still blessing. And he's still doing miracles. And there's still a prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers on this earth. They didn't all die when, 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 the, when, the, Old, when the New Testament men all died. They're still here. God's still appointing apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It says, For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. For to do whatsoever they ha thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. That's my prayer today. Lord, give me the boldness to speak your word. And he has. I don't like for boldness to tell God's people what's what and what God has to say to them. And I know it's God that talks through me because within myself I'm nothing. It says, By stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the Holy Child Jesus. I've seen miracles done this week at the hand of the Holy Child Jesus. I've got miracles sitting right here in my studio audience. I mean people that have miracles from God performed upon them physically, spiritually, and financially. Is it not so, folks? How about an amen? amen? See, I have witnesses to what I'm saying, folks. They will not lie. Why should they? Why should they? Why should I have to lie? I don't. It's like I said, I'm not selling anything. I'm not begging from you. If you want to help me, fine. Appreciate it very much. If you need to know more about the Word, write to me. Listen to this. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the Word of God with boldness. Now, come on, folks. You can get filled with the Holy Ghost, and you can speak the Word of God with boldness. That is your privilege, especially you already saved Christians. You already professing Christians, you need to get a new shot in the arm from God. Mm -hmm. You need to be 
refilled with his Holy Spirit. Well, I see my time's getting away again. Lord bless you people much now. I love you very much. May the Lord richly bless you is my prayer at this time. And bye for now. Lord, how great you are, bright and shining morning star. Darkness has no defense from your true and shining light. Lost in the wilderness, you're my way and guiding compass. I feel my hands grow steady, I feel you next to me. Get up and praise the Lord of hosts. Get up and praise all ye children. The Lord he reigns, let all the earth rejoice. Get up and praise, get up and praise. This is Get Your Love on Radio. Thank you so much for being here. That song, it's called Get Up and Praise, and we've been doing that today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you so much for being here. My name's Julie Bueller. We hope this message has blessed you and built your faith and compassion to move the hand of God in glorious ways. I love how Brother Bob said that it is a privilege to obey God. That's right. It's a privilege to know his truth and to walk in its fullness. And as you heard Brother Bob mention, he was delivered of terminal cancer of the lungs and the stomach. He was given days to live. So it's very precious that he considered it a privilege to obey God after enduring what he needed to endure just to obtain knowledge of God and then move forward in it in great boldness, as you heard, and great strength. And know that 
Everything that's in the word is for us. And that's what we get to enjoy. That's walking in the fullness of the gospel and in the fullness of the spirit. You can always catch previous shows. If you missed any part of today's show, you can always go to getyourloveon.org and catch previous shows. They're archived there. You can also go there for Bible studies. We have beautiful video links. Send your prayer requests. If you have prayer requests, we have incredible prayer warriors ready to dispatch angels on your behalf and get those prayers answered quickly and and in God's perfect order and perfect timing. If you have questions, go to getyourloveon.org. Contact us. We have our whole team ready to answer your questions in love and, again, in that fullness of God's word. You can also find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. We continue in our prayers for this nation, for healing, for an end to the coronavirus fear because it is not of God. And we continue in our prayers to open new doors of utterance for God's truth and his love to be spread abroad from China to Pakistan, Brazil to Bangladesh, Sacramento to Scranton, PA. Since we spent the last two hours getting our love on, let's make sure we keep our love on. We love you so much. Enjoy your week. We'll be back next week from 9 to 11 Pacific Time. Until then, Lord bless you. Bright, bright, bright.